0: Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast.
1: Welcome to today's episode of the Legal One podcast. My name is John Worthington. I'm an education law specialist with Legal One. And with me today is Gita Vogel. Uh, Gita, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Hi, John. It's good to be with you. And good day, everyone. And I look forward to our interaction.
1: Thank you, Gita. Um, So today's topic, we're going to talk about compensatory services for special education students. We'll give you an overview of the topic. Uh, I do want to note we have a lot of courses. We have module four, which is available, self-paced online course. We have the Special Education Litigation CERT course, which is recorded so you can listen to that at your leisure or attend the course. Uh, we do some webinars and other courses that'll address this topic in a lot greater detail than we will today. For today, we're gonna give you a, an overview of the legal requirements in this area and some tips that you can um, you know, look into or consider when you're looking at this issue. Do wanna give you a disclaimer. I am an attorney, Gita is not, but because I'm an attorney I'm going over the law today, to discussing some legal parameters for comp services. Do keep in mind, I'm not giving you legal advice. And so if you do require advice on anything that we address today, you would need to talk to your board attorney or personal attorney, as the case may be. Um, But with that being said, um, we will give you an overview of uh, today's topic. um, and gives you a base of information to utilize going forward. So looking at the issue of compensatory services, as way of background, this is something, compensatory services for a student with a disability, it's been an available remedy for many years. I think the issue was highlighted more during the pandemic when certain issues came up with regard to virtual instruction that the students were receiving or hybrid instruction. But essentially, it's not in idea or state regulations. Compensatory services is something that was created by case law many years ago. So if a student with a Disability misses instruction or receives inadequate instruction. uh, Might be misses related services. Doesn't receive assistive technology services and the like. Um, It could be an issue even where you lose a staff member. A district might only have one speech language specialist and they're unable to serve students until they can replace someone that a staff member that leaves or goes on maternity leave or something. In those situations, districts need to look at and that would be district IEP teams need to look at what. Did the student miss? Was it missed instruction related services? Whatever that might be. And they have to look into, is there a need based on that missed service or services to provide additional services so that the student receives a FAPE or a free appropriate public education, which is what students with disabilities are entitled to under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And so districts, we would recommend you be proactive about that. If a student misses services because of staffing shortages or whatever other issue it might be, absences from the student based on medical or other reasons, IEP teams should be on top of that and looking into the issue of Does the student need additional services in order to receive a FAPE going forward? And so it's certainly a district can be proactive about, but if not, a parent could file a complaint investigation with the State Department of Education seeking services. Uh, They could file for mediation or a due process hearing to seek those services. We would recommend, um, if you know a student's missed some instruction or services, look into it at the district level. It's gonna be a lot less cost monetarily and emotionally on the staff, uh, stress and the like, if you just address the issue at the district level, have an IEP meeting with the parent there, discuss what was missed, what, if anything, you need to make up for those missed services, uh, and address the issue at that point. It'll be much easier for districts if you look at it that way. If not, like I said, there are the more formal remedies with the state and the courts um, that parents can certainly pursue in order to seek those services. And I had noted earlier, and I think this is a a bigger issue or it's made it a bigger issue during the pandemic. The question of what compensatory services should all students, what additional or compensatory services do you need, um, became a bigger issue because of the way we operated at our schools for that time period, March 2020 to September 2021, generally, is when schools reopened. So during that time period, districts were virtual, hybrid. They had a combo of ways that they were operating. One thing the New Jersey legislature did, which was signed into law, public law 2022, Chapter. Two, they extended the statute of limitations for filing a mediation or due process request to seek additional compensatory services for students with disabilities. Typically, you have two years from the time something occurs, whatever triggering event it is, from when that occurs, you have two years to seek mediation or due process hearing to seek, in this case, it would be compensatory services. In this case, the legislature has changed that slightly by requiring that all districts for every kid in the state, so that's 200,000 plus special ed students, hold an IEP meeting by December 31st of this year, 2022, and discuss the need for compensatory services for the time period when schools were closed or operating virtually during the pandemic, so March 2020 to September 2021, if it's determined to provide any compensatory services, document that. If it's not, you would still document that you had the discussion, made a determination as to what to provide, and if that is nothing, that's what you would say in that, and then provide those services. And then in accordance with that law, they ha- parents will have until September first, 2023, in order to file for mediation or a due process hearing to seek compensatory services should you- they choose to do so. So it's extending the time, normally by March of this year, the time to file for compensatory services would have run. With this new law in place, the time period goes to September 2023. After that, you're going to be looking at compensatory services. Any challenge would still have to be filed within the typical two-year time frame. So it's a special exception to that requirement just for the pandemic time period. So you know, do keep that in mind. And when you're looking at compensatory services, as far as how are you going to determine the need as an IEP team, I, I will address this a little bit to Gita in a second, but basically from a legal perspective, and Gita will address it more from an educator's perspective, but you're going to be looking at when you're talking, say, the time, time period for the pandemic. Where was the student in March of 2020? Where did you expect the student to be in the future? A year, year and a half later, where would you have expected them to go? Uh, to go? <clears throat> and basically, you're looking at what were your goals and objectives? Where did you expect the student to get in that time period? And did they meet those goals and objectives? And I would, as a side note, just say, you don't always have to meet all goals and objectives. So failing to meet them does not automatically trigger a need for compensatory services. It is though data to consider when you're making these determinations. So, I mean, that's a very simplistic description of what you're looking at, but you're essentially assessing where the student is, where the student was expected to be and where they actually are. And then what, if any, services do you need to provide to make up for any deficits you see in that? Um, and with that, that's my legal overview of how you analyze the situation. Um, I'll ask Gita, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, documenting, determining the need for compensatory services, you know, data collection, that type of thing, you know, in the context of assessing and addressing the need for services? Um, how would you look at that as an educator? And I would note by way of background, Gita didn't mention it, but she was a special ed director for many years in school districts. So she certainly worked with this issue, not just here at Legal One, but in her prior career um, working for school districts. So Gita, thoughts on that?
2: Thanks, John. You actually said it so well. What I wanted to talk about as far as an educator is concerned, really nothing has changed. You want to know your student. We happen to have had a glitch in the educational process. We called it a pandemic. But the the goal of a teacher in meeting with the students is to know their potential. To know their potential is also to know how do they acquire the skills to reach the potential. So knowing your student, knowing your ability to connect with the student is so important. So what do you do? You assess. You evaluate, you target where you want to be. And as you said, if you don't make it all the way to the target, you will at least have a skills array at the point of moving toward that targeted learning. And to document, well, that really is, I always found in working with the teachers, uh, a rather easy part. You know, the child. What is the skill you are trying to develop? Knowing there's a goal. To identify where you are in getting toward the goal, we call those objectives. Some days you will see, wow, this child is really, really doing well. We can move ahead. You move ahead, but you find that you need to move back a bit. Maybe you can't sustain the growth of that first skill or the second skill. We call that process, uh, loosely stated, scaffolding. That part hasn't changed. Knowing where you are, where do you want to be with the child, what modifications do you need to put in place, educational modifications, instructional styles, for example, that meet the learning needs of the child. So what am I talking about? I'm really talking about communication. And it's okay, as a matter of fact, favorable to say to the child, is this working for you? Communicate, connect, and let them tell you what would help. Where do you want to be? And therefore, you've established trust with the child. And when you get to that trust point with the child, because you're helping them identify what is their current learning style that's going to sustain them for life, You're also reaching out to the parents because the child will go home with that positive feedback. It's never going to be perfect, but it's going to be based on a relationship that will sustain itself through school. Thank
1: you, Gita. Excellent points. And I do want to stress the point on documentation. If you don't document something, you didn't do it. I mean, when you look at the special education regulations, right in the beginning, they note that you have to document your compliance with the regulations. That's what New Jersey regs say right in the beginning. I think it's 6A141.2D. So Everything you're doing in this or any other area, when you're talking special education, make sure you document. We had the meeting with the parents, we determined to provide the following services based on the impacts of the pandemic, or if it's not pandemic related, based on the impact of having a staff member missing, um, absentee, whatever we were using, substitutes for 30 days, whatever the circumstance might be. Make sure you document those services, what was missing, what did you do to compensate for? And I would suggest too, if you put it in an IEP, here's how we're going to address the need for compensatory services, make sure you're very clear. Here's the child's program here are the compensatory services so that it's clear in the IEP, this is what we're providing to educate the students day to day, and this is the additional services, instruction, whatever it might be that we're gonna provide the student to compensate for lost services, instruction, again, whatever that might be. You wanna be very clear on that and document that you've done it all. Um, Anything you provide, you wanna show the impact of the services, instruction, whatever it is that you provided in order to document that you actually address the need that the student had and the loss of the free, appropriate public education during any particular time period. So I can't stress that enough. Documenting everything the team does, all the services provided, service logs, whatever it might be, make sure you're showing what services were provided and the impact of those services. Um, And I do want to mention, too, there's another legal requirement in this area when we're discussing the pandemic time period. There was legislation passed in 2021, Public Laws 2021, Chapter 109, that addressed your students aging out. Um, because as many of you know, special education, you can receive services from age to age 21 under Part B, which is the part that the school districts administer. Not all students go to age 21, only a small number do. But for those students, the legislature and the governor signed it into law, determined that for a three-year time period, which will end with the students turning age 21 this coming June of 2023, for that time period, the students can receive an additional year of services as determined by the IEP team for each student. It could be a repeat of the last year's process program. It could be particular services. It could be for an entire year, part of the year. It's determined by the IEP team, fully funded by the state, which is rather unique for legislation like this. But for those three years and those three cohorts of students, anyone turning 21, which typically you would age out, they got the last two years in this coming year an extra year because of that the part of the legislation, the other legislation dealing with the statute of limitations for compensatory services does not apply to those students. The legislature was very clear in the law because we've already given those students an extra year that is compensating them for the impacts of the pandemic by giving them the additional year. And when you're looking at these students, you're typically looking at students um, who are receiving transition services as opposed to educational because at that age, you're usually transitioning to adult life at that point. And I would ask you, in that regard, Gita, um you know, any thoughts on those types of transition than instructional services? any pointers or thoughts that you want to give to them uh, with regard to those services?
2: What you said about documentation is so incredibly important. As an educator, you want to know what works and what doesn't work. And I alluded to the fact earlier, we were talking about this is going to be a lifelong skill. Well, that lifelong skill and how that skill came about is where Its impact is felt at this point in time, you're talking about aging out and that's in transition services. To be able to communicate with the team of individuals who are going to carry that child from school age activities to community-based services to know what works and what doesn't work. And with the documentation, Here's how long it took for the skill to develop. And here's what you need to reinforce it. It's very, very important that as you begin to think about what is going to work for this child in the post-education community is to get community resources involved. Know what the student wants. You will know if you have ongoing rapport, the student trusts you. The parents trust you because you have communicated with them. You will know their interests. You can guide them to fulfill their interests more accurately. Certainly, there's going to be some frustration. We all experience that. But your coping skills are what's going to sustain you throughout your life. And to understand this is how it works. This is what's better for you. This approach. Share that not only with the parents, but the community members who will be involved in helping the student transition, whether it's to a post-secondary setting, to a work environment, or a home setting, whatever will work best for the child. But the more you know about the child, the more conversant you can be, the more successful the child will be in life.
1: And one point you just made, which I think is a really good one, the working with the parents and having the rapport. I, I mean, I would like to stress that too, to everyone listening. The more you work with the parents, have the IEP meeting, discuss in any time period, not just the pandemic that we focused on a little bit, because at any point where a student doesn't receive instruction, services, whatever it may be, working with the parent, coming to an agreement on what you need to address that, the more invested the parent is in the process, the much less likely it is you're going to receive a complaint investigation a request for mediation or due process. So working cooperatively, I think it's important for many reasons, but you want to be careful work with the parent. It'll avoid a lot of problems for the district in the future, and potential litigation and the like. So I do want to stress that and, you know, ask Gita before I close um, if there are any other final points you would like to make.
2: As an instructor, especially in special education, you want to know that you're doing the right thing you have accepted the challenge and probably do relish everyday activities that you spend with the student. You will want to know for yourself what works, what doesn't work, and to feel good about who you are as a special educator. I wish to emphasize that, John, because we value the capabilities of our special educators. That comes from knowing the child, which goes back to the documentation, which goes back to communicating with the parents and ultimately communicating with the student. You will make that difference.
1: And thank you again for joining me, Gita. I do want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast today. This was, I know, a brief and rather quick overview of the topic of compensatory services. So again, I'd like to note we have several courses, the Hot Issues, the Special Education Litigation CERT course, our Module 4, which is an online course that you can take. So I would suggest you take advantage of that. Webinars, when we do them, sometimes we'll do compensatory services with maybe one or two other topics. So we go much more in depth and if you take the courses you'll have a chance to ask questions and so if questions come to mind when you're listening to what we're saying in the course content you could certainly bring them up where our instructors it's typically me and Gita can help you you know address those go deeper into the question to go over those issues with you so we encourage you to take you know any of those courses should you have an interest in getting a lot more knowledge with regard to this topic and otherwise uh, thank you again for joining us and we'll see you at the uh, next podcast podcast
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org/legal1nj